I'm going to just uh, introduce Chris and then uh, we'll get him to, to speak. So Chris, if you're there, put on your screen. Can we see your face? There we are. Fantastic. Welcome, Chris. So uh, well, you and I know each other um, <laughs> from obviously a work environment, but also, uh, yeah, we're friends now. We, we even grew up in the same church in Brighton, many, many miles <laughs> away. So uh, plug for the seagulls there. Uh, Chris, welcome. Uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to hand over and, and go through God's word. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. And good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to be with you in Birmingham. I actually studied in Birmingham and uh, my sister-in-law had her um, hen party in the Selly Sausage in Selly Oak. So um, I feel very connected to Birmingham. It's one of my favourite cities to visit. Uh, I live in Oxford, uh, just uh, well, just outside of Oxford with my wife and our six children. Uh, three of them are our birth children and three of them are fostered and adopted. And it's a privilege to work with Chris. Uh, he's just a live wire, as you probably know, uh, full of uh, just Jesus and, and a passion for the gospel. So it's delightful to work with Chris at Home for Good. Um, I want to talk about hope today. And uh, you're going to need a Bible. So if you've got a Bible, get it open at Romans chapter 8 ready. Um, and you might be worried that, you know, this Adoption Sunday thing, this isn't for you. This is for everybody else who might be considering adoption. But I want to tell you that adoption is absolutely central to God's plans for the universe. And therefore, it's really important for us, even if we're not planning to um, personally adopt. So stick with us. Um, this is going to be an important message for all of us, I pray. I, I don't know about you, but I'm finding this kind of second phase of lockdown quite interesting. I spend a lot of my time in my garage. Uh, before, I was zooming around the country. I had a job that took me uh, often overseas. I was meeting new people every day. But now I'm kind of contained within the four walls of my garage. That's why I'm using a green screen, uh, just because often in a Zoom meeting, I put on a different background just to make me feel like I'm somewhere new. And I like to run in the mornings uh, just to get out of the house on the, on the world's worst runner I often run before anybody else is awake so nobody will see me puffing and panting as I try to make my way around uh, my little course and I normally get home again after completing my circuit completely exhausted and I throw myself uh, down as soon as I get uh, back um, panting my heart's racing I'm feeling totally tired because I've given everything I can to finish the course well imagine one morning I get back and there's a man standing there with a large sign telling me that my race isn't over I need to run another lap and this time it's raining and it's snowing and it's freezing and for many people, that's how this kind of second phase of lockdown has been. We thought we were near the end and, you know, Christmas was going to be a, a great kind of high moment. Uh, but now we're told, actually, this could be going on for a lot longer. How do we keep on hoping when uh, our, our resources are running out? How do we keep going? And I'm hoping what we share this morning is going to help you with that. So you're going to need Romans chapter 8. And uh, Romans is probably one of uh, the UK Christian churches favorite books uh, that probably goes down to some preachers who have been preaching through Romans over many years in fact a Dr Martin Lloyd-Jones who some of you might know as the minister of Westminster Chapel back in the day uh, he he spent I think six or seven years going through the book of Romans and someone once asked him you know which of Paul's letters is the doctor currently on 
and uh, one wag said, well, I, I think it's the letter B because he seemed to take each verse apart line by line and each word was kind of given a sermon in itself and he went through very methodically. We're, we're not going to do that today. We're going to do a little bit of an overview of one particular chapter. And the chapter that everyone seems to love the most is Romans chapter 8. And people know Romans chapter 8 verse 1 really well. Maybe you know it. Let me read it to you. Uh, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful verse. And I remember having to learn it as a child. And some people know Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And maybe you've got it as a fridge magnet. Many people do. It says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So we often know the first verse and maybe near the last verse, chapter 828, but I want to look at a bit in the middle, which I think is going to help us understand our hope, how we're supposed to live now and how we can offer hope to the world. That's what I'm going to focus on today. So if you've got a Bible, uh, open it up, otherwise I'll just uh, read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We're going to get the core chunk of Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, firstly, Paul recognises that his time was full of suffering. There are some Christians who kind of just try to smile all the time and pretend there is never anything bad going on. In fact, when I was at university, uh, before I studied at Birmingham, um, I used to try to fall asleep smiling because I thought if, if I did that, then I'd get kind of laughter lines and people would think I was full of joy, even when I was feeling sad all the time. And uh, there was this kind of bizarre idea that, that I needed to be the happiest person on the planet all the time. And then people would want to know about the, the Jesus that I love. But actually, Paul's quite honest. He is talking about suffering. And even though he recognises that there's going to be glory to come, he's still recognising there is suffering now. And in other parts of the Bible, Paul talks about sharing tears or how, for example, Timothy knew the tears that Paul had shed. So he didn't feel like he had to put on a facade all the time. Uh, I once read a bumper sticker that said, only talk show hosts smile all the time. There's something fake about it, isn't there? So I'm loving the realism we're getting in Romans chapter 8 verse 18 already and if you're going through something tough right now it's okay to acknowledge that in fact it's healthy to acknowledge that and and maybe even pray about it bring it up in front of God the Psalms are full of people sharing their pain with God anyway verse 19 the creation waits in eager anticipation and expectation for the sons of God to be revealed for the creation was subject to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that while the creation has been groaning, it's in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our bodies. Sorry, as we wait eagerly uh, for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he has already? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Did you catch it right in the middle there? Uh, Paul says there is suffering. There is challenge. Stuff is tough right now. But we are a people of hope, even in spite of the suffering. And um, 
I, I kind of want to tell you that, that this difficult time that our world is going through, and probably you and I are going through right now, our faith is big enough to handle it. Because throughout the centuries, Christians have held on to the hope that the gospel gives us through times that are even more difficult than our own. There are times when plagues were ripping through the Roman Empire and thousands upon thousands of people were dying. But Christians, because of the hope that we have, decided to welcome in strangers and neighbours and care for them. And there's a, a, a a sociologist a guy called Rodney Stark who wrote an amazing book called The Rise of Christianity. He says it was Christian hospitality driven by their hope that stopped the Christian faith from just being a tiny little religion in a forgotten part of the Roman Empire. But actually Christianity became the dominant faith of the whole world as a result of Christian hospitality in dire times. So our, our faith is robust enough to cope with these difficult times and we'll cling on to that hope because of God's mercy and grace to us. So our hope, our faith is big enough to handle these times. Second point, our adoption is the foundation of our hope. Did you see that? The whole of creation is groaning, but we are longing for our adoption to be revealed. I, I don't know if you think about it regularly, but our, our friends who shared earlier, both uh, Michael and Pete, both drew attention to the fact that they had been spiritually adopted into God's family. And that is a fundamental truth about who you are that we don't often celebrate. Um, we often talk about being redeemed or rescued or forgiven. And those are really important ideas, but actually adoption is even more important. And I want to set you a challenge. If you are on Facebook Live or, or if you're using the chat, um, or if you're not using chat, now's a good time to use the chat. Can you think about why adoption, by being adopted into God's family, should be our fundamental way of seeing ourselves? Why is it even more important than being forgiven or rescued or redeemed or justified? Have a little think about that while I'm speaking and see if you can put some stuff uh, in the chat. I'd love to, to see what you think. Um, so I guess the um, I, I got to speak with a guy called J.I. Packer who uh, some of you know, wrote an amazing book called Knowing God. And he said this, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel affords us. And I believe that to be true, that being rescued is really important, but being rescued is not, is not enough. Uh, I often ask people, you know, have you ever been in a rescue? Uh, have you ever been rescued by an emergency service? And, um, you know, often people will put, uh, up their hand and say well yeah yeah you know I, I was rescued by an ambulance and it was a life-threatening situation but uh, I was rescued by an ambulance taken to a hospital and they absolutely saved my life and I'll say to that person that is brilliant you know what was the name of the ambulance driver and they look at me blankly or they I say well you know what was the name of the paramedic that gave you kind of uh, you know heart massage to kind of keep you alive and, and they look at me blankly I said have you been in touch with that um paramedic or, or, or that ambulance driver and they'll go well no you know they just dropped me off at the hospital that was their job they, they did their bit and we're, we're not in touch and for many people that's how they understand the christian faith it's, it's a kind of rescue god rescues us from something difficult but we don't actually want god we just want the rescue we're not actually in touch with him we we, we kind of have our get out of hell free card but god wants so much more than just to rescue us 
He wants to adopt us into his family, to love us as his own flesh and blood, to give us all the privileges that Jesus, the only true son of God, has. Jesus is the son of God from eternity past. Uh, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always lived in an amazing relationship. But we get to call ourselves the sons and daughters of God because of adoption. Every time you say the Lord's Prayer, when you say our Father, you're underlying and underwriting your adoption. That privilege is only yours because God has been merciful to you and welcomed you into his family. And time and time again, you've probably been studying the book of Ephesians, I understand, and you see it here in Romans 8, you see it in Galatians 4. We're shown that adoption is the highest privilege that God could possibly afford us. Rescue is great, but adoption is even more important. This kind of struck home to me and my family when we became adoptive parents. Uh, we had three birth children, and they were four, five, and six at the time. And uh, my, my wife thought that we had capacity to care for some more children. I was a little bit hesitant, uh, but you know, I was convinced. And uh, we started the process to become adoptive parents. I remember the first phone call that we made to social services, our local authority. And, uh, you know, taking me a year of wrestling to get ready for this moment. And then we make the call. Some of you don't know what I'm doing. That, that's what we used to do in the olden days. We used to dial numbers on a phone that plugged into a wall. And uh, we made the call. And I said, hi, it's Mr. Kandai here. We're so excited. We want to uh, step forward for adoption. And uh, the lady at the other end of the call said, well, how many rooms are in your house? And I said, oh, there's a bathroom and a kitchen and a lounge. No, no, she said, how many bedrooms have you got? And I thought, well, three. She said, well, how many children do you have? I said, three. She said, oh, you're no good to us. And, and that, that was a bit of a barrier in us going forward for adoption. I thought, well, that could have been the end of the story. Uh, but by the grace of God, over the next you know, year, we managed to in our circumstances move house get a new job the job came with a house and the house came with a dining room where i would stay with turn a dining room into a new bedroom and then we made the call and we got through that next stage of the process to be assessed and after about nine months of that uh, we then got approved to be first of all foster parents and i remember it was you know days after being approved we get the phone call that we are being called into action a little girl has been born in a hospital and her mum's got a difficult set of circumstances she can't care for the baby and so in we swooped and when we went to the hospital we had a moses basket in the back seat and that's all kind of kicking stuff off in my brain because moses was the first foster child and the first adopted child in the bible and, and I'm, I'm finding all these resonances between my faith and my being adopted into God's family and this little moment of caring for this vulnerable child. And I'll tell you, it, it rebooted my whole understanding of what Christianity was about, that, that I wasn't just forgiven. I wasn't just rescued. I wasn't just justified, but I had been adopted into God's family. And it was out of that experience that I realized that the church has something important to offer to every child who needs to be adopted in the UK. Um, I wanna just pause for a moment. We've talked about our faith giving us a hope that can cope with this pandemic. We've also talked about our adoption being the highest privilege or the, the, the foundation of our hope as Christians. And I wanna talk in a moment about what that could mean 
to change the lives of many children right now around the UK. But I thought we'd have a bit of fun first. You might be able to see on the screen, there's a QR code. And what you need to do to access it is to point your phone in camera mode at the QR code and it will take you to a website. And if, if you fancy this, just for a bit of a laugh, um, go on that journey and if you are predestined, if that's your theology, or lucky, if that's your theology, uh, we'll pick out some people to win a copy of uh, my latest book, which is called The Greatest Secret, uh, Why Being Adopted Into God's Family Changes Everything. So you might want to kind of make use of that. Uh, we'll pick out some winners and we'll let, let you know who's won through Chris. Um, but we're transitioning now to think about, okay, we've got this incredible privilege. We've been adopted into God's family. What about the rest of those children in our nation? Right now, there are over 2,000 children in England that need adopting. And most of those children are older kids. They're in sibling groups. They might have additional needs. Uh, and many come from black and minority ethnic backgrounds. They're the ones that wait the longest and get left behind in the system. And sadly, if they get left behind in the system, um, care can be a conveyor belt in some really difficult life outcomes. So many children that grow up in care and then age out of care, not getting adopted, end up homeless, and they end up exploited, and many end up criminalised. And so our prison population, our homeless population, and our, um, our sex worker population are overrepresented by kids that aged out of care that never knew the love of a permanent family. And that's why Home for Good exists. We want to make sure that every child that needs a family gets one. And you might be thinking, oh, Chris, that is all very nice, but that's not really for me. You know, I'm not interested in adoption. Surely adoption is just for people who can't have their own children. And I want to tell you clearly that that's not the case. Adoption was plan A for you when God looked at us and our need. God didn't adopt us because he was lonely or bored or infertile. God didn't adopt us because he needed it. God adopted us because we needed it. God stepped up and became the heavenly father that we needed him to be in order that we might get an accepting, loving, permanent family with him forever. And that's why I believe that even in these difficult times, many of us are called to consider adoption as a way of showing the incredible love and grace that God has shown us through adoption to the rest of the world. And that means kids in Birmingham that currently need adopting. Imagine if the church stepped up and adopted all the children that were waiting. Imagine what that would say to those kids. It would say that they were loved and precious, despite the fact that many in our society have written them off. God hasn't written them off. And therefore we, as members and families in the church, won't write them off either. Imagine what it would say to the church, actually. It would say that our way of demonstrating the love of God is more than just singing and preaching, although that's important. It's practically, visibly demonstrating it through incredible acts of mercy and grace. And thirdly, imagine what it would say to the nation. Sadly, many people have written off the church and they can list all the people that they think we're against. But actually, we are for people, aren't we? Because God loved the world so much that he sent his only son so that everyone who believes in might not die but have eternal life god loves everybody and what more powerful way to show to a particular group of people the love of god than welcoming them into our house 
as our as as our adopted children who who we're going to love as if they were our own flesh and blood wouldn't that be an incredible practical demonstration of the grace of god so that's why home for good got started and home for good got started because there were thousands of kids waiting for adoption there is also a massive need for foster families our, our family is both an adopting family and a foster family and and we thought you know at the time there was five thousand kids waiting for adoption and nine thousand families uh, that didn't have uh, the, the nine thousand families short for fostering and the government's going where are we going to find all these families and i thought you know what you haven't bet on the church because when you add those two numbers up there's at least 14,000 churches full of the gospel, full of grace. And so we wouldn't need every Christian to adopt 10 children. We just need one new family per church to foster or adopt and the rest of the church to wrap around them and give them the support they need. And the church could meet the entire need. Wouldn't that be an incredible witness? So churches in Birmingham, I wonder, what's God calling you to do? What's your next step? We believe in a gospel that gives us a hope, no matter how bad this pandemic is. We believe that adoption is the highest privilege and our greatest hope as Christians. And we believe that we can demonstrate that love and mercy in a very practical way through adoption. I wonder whether God might be calling some of us here to take that next step and show the mercy and love of God to the children waiting in Birmingham for a loving family. It's been a privilege to spend some time with you. I hope we're going to have some good uh, Q&A, uh, but let me hand back to Chris as he leads us through the service. Uh, cool. Okay, so let's, uh, let's see some questions. I'll, what I'll do is um, we've got a few questions. I will um, read the question aloud and maybe direct that to, um, to one or two people uh, as well uh, as we go. So uh, first of all, a question I suppose for Jan and Steve. Um, what might supporting adopters, uh, as Chris mentioned, that the church might need to wrap around and support adoptive parents, what might that look like practically or spiritually? Uh, what things would have really helped you in your journey uh, and how can we learn from that as a church? Praying for us along the way, really. Um, having a group of people who were backing us and telling us we were doing, going down the right, doing the right things to choose them really someone someone to share yeah. things with as you're going along the journey really i mean you want to be able to talk and uh, you know not just amongst yourselves but uh, you know to, to other people in the church and it, like you say if, like jan said really if you feel if you've got that support of prayer you know you you, you yeah you're on a winner <laughs> and like with um birth families you know the joy of the pregnancy the, the joy of the adoption course you know ask questions of the people who want who are adopting um, afterwards it's just like a family mm. you know support them as you would a birth family but it's the beginning process is the one that you, you just need a bit of encouragement and a bit of yeah you, you're doing all right mm. excellent yeah thank you so much owen just so can you just pick up on the on that question as well things Maybe that, that are maybe unhelpful for us to, to think about um, not diving in to do as well as a church uh, or things that you think would be helpful. Well, um, we're, as, as you heard, we've recently adopted and, you know, the church was so brilliant and have been so brilliant in supporting us all the way along the way. I think what, one thing is that the process of waiting to adopt is, is difficult and has its challenges. And, and with a pregnancy, 
you know how long it's going to be and you know what's going to happen at the end and you know within a few days when the end's going to be roughly um with 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 adopting and waiting to adopt it it certainly feels like a piece of string in terms of you don't know how long it's going to go on and mm. for us we we're in the process mm. for over two years and, and that, that that's a long time to wait and to anticipate so i think if you know people are in the process to to be supporting them and and, and giving them space to talk i think the other thing is um i think what we've learned is that you know children who are adopted um need a different sort of approach to parenting than perhaps birth children do and so i think uh giving adoptive parents space uh perhaps not giving lots of parenting advice particularly if there are behavioral or other other problems that their child is experiencing um would be good because i think i think it can be the case that parents adoptive parents can feel almost kind of shamed or or, or exposed um if their kids are experiencing difficulty with engaging with church particularly mm -hmm. um and so i think just giving lots of space giving lots of support lots of encouragement um without perhaps trying to give advice and tips <laughs> would be useful excellent yeah thanks chris i'm not sure if you've got any uh, top tips on on how churches can effectively support adopters yeah i agree with everything that's been said i, I think because most of the children in the care system uh, have had something unbelievably traumatic happen to them before they came into care that they're, they're going to have ongoing challenging uh, issues in their lives and some of those will be visible sadly visible scars but many of them will be invisible so I, I think churches in general are waking up into how we care for children and families um, who might have additional needs um, and you know our Sunday school programs and our, our youth programs are getting better at that um, but we should just be working with adoptive parents um, and I, I find it's the same with schools you know when we're working with the school or with the, the, um, the youth worker uh, to say, look, th these, these are the things that we know. We could be a team together in, in how we best kind of care for the children. Um, that works the best. So always cooperate as best you can with the birth, with the um, adopted or foster parents. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, as you said, just talking about it. So, you know, at the end of a service, um, you know, when we are face to face again and we say, you know, mums and dads, go and collect your children from the youth group or the um, uh, or, or Sunday school. If we can also say mums and dads and carers that's really inclusive that means that we're expecting kids from care to be in our churches and they're, they're not the odd ones out you know we're, we're welcoming them we're recognizing them that there's all sorts of circumstances that that bring children into the families that they're in uh, but it sounds like you guys are doing an amazing job and uh home figures got a whole bunch of resources that you can find there's loads of little blog articles there's some resources that you can use to help people find out some more and a really simple way is the foundations course it's great for people that want to be adoptive parents but it's also great for people that just want to understand the process and how they might be able to help other people yeah excellent i'll explain a little bit more about uh, some of those next steps people might want to consider uh, later i suppose a question probably maybe if you're happy to share for each each panel member is a question of uh, fear and faith uh, and so mm -hmm. I, I suppose in my experience talking with a lot of um, people considering adoption uh, some of the things that maybe prevent them sort of taking that final step is this idea of the fear of the unknown uh, uh, what has this child experienced before am I really equipped enough as a parent to be able to to manage that um, and I suppose about God sort of calling on our on our lives how do you navigate 
the fears and is this right for me and not not necessarily replace but i suppose deal with that in light of a faith for kind of uh the way god can help you and and be encouraged so jan and steve i don't know if you've got any comments on sort of the fears but also the faith that's needed in this sort of uh multifaceted uh tapestry of adoption well i think it is faith like you say that uh, you won't know all of the answers definitely you you there'll be things coming your way that you won't have any experience of so i think it's something that you just have to hold on to god all the way through and just look at the next thing really if you try to look at too much it's it's too much to cope with it, i think you've got you've got to just uh, work with god through the process really he grows you into it i think you just wake up Monday morning and you say to yourself well what's happening today how can I cope with today and don't worry about what's going to happen Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday because you'll go nuts and I'm sure that's probably the same for a normal you know normal, I shouldn't say normal should I for a birth family mm. you just got to take each day as it comes but you have to kind of I suppose learn that in the initial period that actually like a birth family this is just so new so how can i do this and, and you just get on and do it you have a good partnership with your husband or your wife and you just know god will sort you out really mm. and you make loads of mistakes yeah you get up the next day and you say well okay what have i learned from it and off you go brilliant thank you so much uh chris you mentioned that your wife was maybe ahead of you in the journey uh, can you just talk us through any thoughts you have on fear and faith and navigating? Yeah, I agree with uh, what Jan was sharing. Uh, in one sense, it's no different with uh, a birth child or a birth family. Is that we, we have no idea what's going to happen uh, when this child is born or what, what, what struggles they might have, what issues might come up. But our commitment is to them regardless, isn't it? So, so you're right there. I, I was thinking about cross-cultural missionaries. You know, we used to send people around the world to help spread the gospel and and they'd end up in china or somewhere and they would have no idea what was coming but you, you, it, and you needed to be wise so if you sent the wrong people they were actually more harm than good but also you needed to be faithful and as as jam was saying just kind of trust god for each moment so I, I think in the same way this is part of the mission of god you know this is just saying here's my family here's my resource lord how can i be most useful to you um, lead me and, and you know you, you do need to pray about it you do need to talk to wise friends that you trust who can kind of maybe speak objectively into your life maybe the elders of the church might uh, be able to kind of pray over you or that maybe then we stand you know around you so if i've got birth children already um you know how is this going to affect them um, it can be incredibly positive to have an adopted child in your household for your birth kids. They, they get to be part of the mission of God with you, mm. but you know the circumstances of your children and how this will impact them. So there's a whole bunch of, you know, discernment wise things to be checking out. Um, so you don't just jump in, you know, with, with rose tinted glasses, but on the other hand, over the centuries, God has been leading people into taking courageous steps of faith for him in order that other people might know and experience the love of God. And this is just the same. It's just another way of working out the mission of God in our families. 
Excellent. And Owen? Yeah, I agree, agree with what's been said. Um, I think um, the, one of the fear things that, that I had to overcome was, was for our birth children. You know, there was a bit of a fear early on of, obviously my natural desire is to protect them and to think I'm, I'm opening our family to like an outside influence that could be potentially chaotic. And, and there was a, a point in the journey where I was like, wow, is that right? You know, is, is that, should we be doing this? But I realized that um, actually to best model to them what it was to follow Jesus and to have a life of faith was to, was to follow Jesus <laughs> and to use that faith, you know, and to, to do what he was calling us to do. And, um, and it was a real journey kind of leading them towards it. But it's, it's been, honestly, we've just been blown away how they've responded and um, the faith that they've shown. And, and I think that it's going to be a part of their life obviously a, a big part of their life um but i trust that we are we're modeling something good to them you know and that they're they're learning more about god through this and um so that was a that, that was a particular fear thing that I had to overcome but when you do overcome the fear and you come through to a position of faith you really see the blessings and the benefits of living god's way really Excellent. Yeah, thanks so much, Owen. Um, Chris, while you're here, just a few practical questions that have come through. Um, mm. Do you know the, the requirements regarding kind of ages for people that are looking at adopting? And also, uh, like with uh, um, Steve and Jan, uh, and Owen and Anna, uh, and yourself being in sort of married couples, what, how might the narrative look for someone that is not in mm. uh, a marriage, but is single? Brilliant. Good, good news both ways. So there's no upper age limit now on adoption. There used to be, but there isn't anymore. Um, you, we all have to go through some kind of medical to make sure fit and healthy enough to be able to care for a child. Um, and you might want to compute in your own head, you know, an age, how old would the child be, you know, hitting certain... So, because have older adoptive parents than no adoptive parents i think it's better that children have uh, one parent in their life than no parents in their lives and so we've seen loads of people who are single step forward to adopt and of course it would be great to be able to do that at, you know in a married couple that's fantastic it's, it is hard adopting and it's great having the support of a of a spouse but again you know i, I my gut tells me and i've been trying to dig into this with mordecai and esther there's no mention of, Esther, of Esther's adoptive mother, but you get a lot of mention of Mordecai, the adopted dad. And there are lots of circumstances you think a mother would have really helped, like when Mordecai goes to visit Esther in the palace and she's in the king's harem. I'm sure it'd have been a lot easier to get a woman in there than to get Mordecai in there. So there does seem to be some biblical precedent for this, that you know, a great dad or a great mum is better than having no one in your life. Um, and I've seen churches really step up when you've got a single adopter come forward. They provided that extra support and help and close friends and, and a house group have been a really fantastic way that people get the support they need. But from the government's point of view, from the adoption agencies that we work with, Chris, um, there's no upper age limit and being single is not seen to be an impediment to stepping forward to being an adoptive parent. Excellent. Thanks. Um, we've got a couple minutes left. I, th I think we, some of the questions will be quite specific that people might have. Uh, and so uh, we're going to explain a little bit about where people can go for those. Uh, just before, I suppose, our panel kind of uh, leave us and we move on 
with our morning. Is there any one sort of nugget that I can encourage you just to uh, challenge the or uh, encourage uh, the members of ch like each of the church central churches to consider or think about with adoption? Is there anything that, that come up this morning that you're thinking, I haven't said that, maybe I need to mention this. Um, so Jan and Steve, do you want to sort of start us off? I'm sorry, again, I've thrown that on you. I don't know if there's anything that's come up to you. Yeah, I, I think someone once said to me that they couldn't adopt because they couldn't um, love the adopted child as much as the birth child. And I think that's a load of rhubarb because children, you love children. I mean, who doesn't like children? So yeah. go for yeah. it because even if, even if, and I don't believe it, but even if you didn't love them as much as your birth child, you'd love them more than they are used to now. Uh, so go for it. Don't mess about, just go for it. That's good, Jen. I've, I've met a lot of guys, and I, I don't want to be gender specific about this, but I've, I've met guys that have said that, you know, I'm not sure I could love a child that I didn't have a biological DNA connection with. And I'm going, I'm pretty hopeful that you didn't have a biological DNA connection with your wife. You know, you didn't marry your sister. Um, <laughs> so don't tell me you can't love someone that you haven't got that kind of DNA genetic link with, or even worse, you know, most people love their dog. Please tell me there's no biological connection there. So you're totally right. Rhubarb, that's a kind way of putting it, Jen. It is totally possible to love a child that you haven't been the father or mother of. And, you know, we can say it, Owen can say it, and you guys can say it. So, rhubarb it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd, I'd add just that um, in terms of the whole thing of knowing knowing your own spiritual adoption, you know, knowing knowing God as your father, like, I think I've, I know God better now as my father, I think, than, than I did two years ago before we kind of restarted the process and there's something about it that's just so close to the heart of God you just you just know the presence of God with you in a new way I think um, and just just my relationship with God my the depth of my knowledge of God's fathering of me has, has grown through 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 us doing it as well so that that's a great benefit of doing it for anyone that's right that's right and I guess I want to say, look, there, there is a massive need right now. You can make a massive impact in these children that are waiting. This is all about them and them experiencing the love of God. But just like not all of us are called to be cross-cultural missionaries, although that's a brilliant thing, and not all of us are called to be church pastors, not all of us are called to be adoptive parents or foster parents. So there's no guilt here and there's no kind of hierarchy. You know, there's just people responding to the love and mercy that we've received from God and passing that on in the way that we're best equipped and best called to do. Um, and it would just be amazing, wouldn't it, if some of those people watching today feel called to make that next step and the rest of us play our part, cheering them on, getting alongside them, giving them the support they need. We're in this together as a family and children will be blessed if we work in that way. So, yeah, it's a privilege to spend time with you today. Thank, thanks for inviting us to be here.